Well, hello and welcome to episode 60 of Paper Tuesdays with Michael Dwyer and Mark Halpin. Michael, this, would you like to introduce our guest? This is going to be a great one. We're joined by uh, soon-to-be Dr. Aoife Drury. Well, in a few years, Aoife, so surely you're looking forward to that. Um, Aoife's background is in, she was a psychi- psychiatric nurse and then has moved on to uh, psychotherapy and focuses specifically on psychosexual therapy and um, has a background in, in the in the UK and now um, she's studying in DCU and we're delighted to have you Eva. Um, thanks for coming on to Paper Chooses. I'm delighted to be here. Um, I'm pretty excited to have a chat with you guys um, because as I said before we started I just love the topics you bring up and it's it's so open and and honest conversations and surrounded by you know a lot of really great Irish particularly people and on important topics like mental health as as that's how we kind of connected originally yeah Aoife I suppose that's pitch psychosexual therapy like I I was thinking back before the podcast and I was thinking about how when we had um friend or your man in Shawnee Davitt and he has a an MA I think in sports psychology so and he he was trying to explain like that's uh really with sports psychology it's really just psychology in a sporting environment is it the Mm -hmm. same with psychosexual therapy that in the end you're just going back to mental health and the need for therapy in the first place uh yes and no I think um yes in the sense that we can't really separate our mental health and our sexual health and ourselves from each other Um, and so a lot of the work that I would do would be going back to you know childhood years and and um and understanding and using different modalities um to kind of cater and hone in on what's happening for the person generally and then we get more specific just like that sports psychology aspect but what we can do in in um psychosexual therapy uh which I worked in the NHS for for a few years is short term work. So you actually wouldn't really kind of go back deeply into the childhood components um, and just work with the person in front of you here and now. So you use things like CBT, so cognitive behavioral therapy. So in a sense, you can avoid going through that. But I kind of see it as a plaster, not a stitch, to be honest. It doesn't necessarily always last that long. As in, which is the plastron? As in, as in the short-term therapy, so CBT sometimes okay. means that it doesn't necessarily uh, get to the root of the problem. Okay. And so people may tend to come back, which is what I I've experienced quite a bit. So it depends on what somebody wants to work with. Some people may say, "I only want to do eight sessions," and I go, "Okay, cool." Um, and and sometimes that works. That's interesting, Aoife, because I suppose with mental health, you know, there, mm-hmm. there's something new every week, whether it's Wim Hof or, you know, like, and we love talking about it. And, you know, I love it anyway. You know, I'm always dipping into very hippy dippy podcasts. So like there's a, there's a new technique for everything. So yeah. you, you, as a psychotherapist, do you think that psychotherapy is the only way that can really get to the root of issues? Um, I think it would be very close-minded of me to say that um I don't think that's fair um to you know people who 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 don't um necessarily find benefits of, of psychotherapy and um I'm biased to that so you know things like Wim Hof and is really brilliant and actually something that I encourage people to do breathing is so important um and has so many um, you can really impact um uh, our vagus nervous system you know well, our nervous system in general in general um and that massively impacts uh psychosexual things things like erectile dysfunction breathing mindfulness is key is just so beneficial and there's the problem is there's just not enough study and research done clinical research done on it yeah I just have a question if what you're saying about sort mm. of childhood as opposed to the present person that's there mm. you reckon a lot of things that would uh problems that would occur with someone in their sexual relationships in adulthood would stem from childhood or do you find it can be stuff that can be accrued along the way as they grow I think um definitely accrued along the way and you know it is different yet again for everybody but if we look at sex and the narratives we hold around sex that tends to stem from the messages we received about sex and those don't just you know 
happen overnight you know it's not like I, I use that you know the little google that you google yellow person you're not just suddenly in an area it like yeah. it's like happens like osmosis it just kind of you know gradually comes up um, and gradually kind of filters in so messages that maybe you receive from parents or carers or the lack we'll use the lack, lack of sex <laughs> yeah. yeah lack of sex education if particularly in this country and mm. um, mixed messages and and also things like um self-esteem self-worth those are parts of our sexual selves too mm. I suppose we have to go like geography and our country and our culture is going to have a, is there any difference between how you've worked in England versus Ireland I sp- without mm. getting into specifics obviously um we I mean look we know that we have a long way to go in terms of separating the church and and, and state still um as as we know from from the news recently around National Maternity Hospital but um I think particularly uh that uh narrative has just been there around our sex education in schools or yet again lack thereof I think my sex education was I was fifth year in school when they an all-girls school where they had two men coming into us telling us don't have sex and and you know you, if you take the pill you'll you'll go to hell genuinely <laughs> we're like you will go to hell because you know it's contraception and so um it, there's a long way to go versus the UK which which doesn't have that emphasis of religion I think um particularly so we right. yeah but we're getting there yeah um what looking at your like obviously it must be very exciting to be doing a PhD in psychotherapy and but just contrast in your experience in the psychiatric set- setting versus the psychotherapeutic <laughs> setting um but there must be a major difference there is there yeah I mean I don't think I've been asked about my uh, psychiatry my nursing background <laughs> for a very long time so um some are very thought-provoking questions and I probably need to do a bit more <laughs> reflection um she says as a psychotherapist um, <laughs> <laughs> worrying <laughs> no but I think the um the, I mean the the Working, I've worked as a psychiatric nurse for, uh, well, I trained, I qualified, and then I moved to the UK and I did a master's in war and psychiatry. So the mental health effects of war. So from my perspective, there's a huge difference. And there's an issue um, with the separation of psychiatry and psychotherapy. And there's always been a bit of a clash throughout whether we're going to go back to Freudian days um, or not, there's always been issues with with that. Um, And so I think, um, yeah, again, there's aspects I remember and I reflect back and I go, oh, like uh, antipsychotics have huge impact on sexual functioning. Um, Antidepressants have huge impact on sexual functioning. Um, uh, Decreased desire, um, inability to orgasm, delayed ejaculation, erectile dysfunction. Um, So, I mean, the problem is if somebody's not feeling very well, if they, you know, if they're uh, they're psychotic or they've got a diagnosis of schizophrenia and they've been put on some um, medication, they may end up with erectile dysfunction, for example. And as a result, sometimes that's negated. That problem is negated for them when they're sitting in a room full of people. And I, I witnessed that. Um, as not being as important because it's more important that they stay on their medication. So as much as I'm an advocate for medication, I also think there's an important part of bringing in the psychotherapeutic aspects to more holistic way of treating people. Mm, very interesting. Um, Mark, do you have any comments or thoughts? Uh, not on that, Aoife, but there's just mm. something interesting I found. I was listening to a podcast there earlier that you've done on intrusive thoughts. And um, I found I found that absolutely fascinating. Like, because we all have them, but we never address them properly. It's like, oh no, mm-hmm. I don't want to think that, and I'm definitely not going to tell anyone I thought that. Yes. And it happens like every single day, and you do it, and it's like the worst. I found it. It's like the worst possible thing that could happen, or the worst possible thing I could do right now. What is it? And it comes up out of nowhere. And it's yeah. actually it's strange because I was listening to uh, something else during the week, and it said that you find your thoughts in the same, or your thoughts find you in the same way that you'd find a table when you walk into a room you didn't mm-hmm. put that table there so if you walk into a restaurant and you find the table that's the way you kind of find the thought it's just kind of there yeah it's not it's not you that made the thought 
Yeah. And I, like, that's what I found very helpful from your podcast. That was, you know, it's not you, it's not you. You're not a bad person because you taught this. These are just things that are happening. Yes. Yes. And I, it, it's one of my favorite things to work with because we all, I mean, if you look at the statistics, it's like, I mean, obviously all papers are, are different, but you're talking over 90% of people experience intrusive thoughts very rarely spoken about and they're so dark those mm. thoughts seem to be you know I'm going to drop this baby or I'm going to um you know I'm going to crash my intentionally crash my car or I'm going to step in front of this train and so people don't talk about it and they think it's a bad thing and when they and I, I know if you've listened to this podcast you hear me waffling on about it if we think it's a bad thing we push it down mm. then where it's shrouded with shame and that's really difficult then because it leaves people feeling very isolated. Yet 90% of us are experiencing that. And like that, our thoughts are just thoughts. They're just things that sometimes come in and go out and they're nothing to do with who we are as a person. And they're not facts as well, which is something I also harp on about. They're just sentences sometimes. They're just words put together. So I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's a really interesting, really interesting topic considering we just don't speak about it enough. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, there's a comedian, I don't know if you know Bill Burr, but he kind of done a piece on it in his stand-up comedy is saying, you know, do you ever think like you're driving along on the side of the street and your hands up and you think, if I just went 10 seconds to the left, I could be on the news. <laughs> 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 <Ten degrees. laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I've had people come into me and they go, you know, I had this terrible thought and I, in my head, and you know, the odd time I've, I've shared it and I've said, yeah, I've had that thought too. I've like I've I've held babies and thought oh my god I'm going to purposely drop it and so I hand it straight back but actually it's just anxiety yeah yeah Yeah. it's very strange I I just remembered like sometimes when I was in school when I was younger I'd be up getting my homework corrected by the teacher and he wouldn't be giving out to me and he'd just be looking at my homework and I think I could punch this guy in the side of the head right now (laughs) (laughs) I wonder imagine what would happen then like that's just kind of what comes into your head and you have to restrain it yeah do you think it's always been like that, Eva, or do you think we're more likely to um, have intrusive thoughts now in a busier society? Mm, good question. Um, well, intrusive thoughts tend to be correlated with anxiety or depression or OCD. Right. So, um, or PTSD, there's some study done on that too. Um, so we are living in a more stressful world, particularly in the last 18 months, right? But we are living in a more stressful world. Um, and so I definitely think that there's probably, you know, an influx of, of intrusive thoughts happening. But hopefully things like having this conversation or the podcast that I did when I asked, when I, I think I was asked, you know, what would you like to talk about? And I was like, intrusive thoughts, because mm. you can talk all day about lots of mental health things, but it's rare that you think of something as bad as, oh, I think I'm going to stab this person. You know, what if I do? Am I that person? Um, so podcasts like this you know conversations around mental health just start to deconstruct those narratives that we have yeah just as you give that example i think of uh, what's that famous one from young um that what we ignore becomes our something about it becomes fate or something uh, I, know, I know what you're talking about but i i definitely don't remember the uh, <laughs> the exact quote okay. um but i i know it, 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 that's ex- so true Sorry. Well, if I were bound to a tweet or something, but sorry, just to figure it or just to place it in context, mm. I was just wondering then, like, where, like, as a psychotherapist today, mm. uh, where, what do you, when you look back in the past and say Freud and Jung a hundred years ago, like, obviously your speciality is kind of emerged in the 1980s, but is it like, uh, is it all part of the same hymn sheet if they like or is it all part of the same movement of Mm. uh, thinking or would you challenge some of the thoughts that they came up with back a hundred years ago um yeah I mean I definitely challenge some of Freud's thoughts and I'm doing some uh reading on um uh critical theory around um uh well queer theory really um and and challenging some of those narratives around um uh previous narratives around homosexuality um but um there's lots that i would challenge but i think they're pretty isolated and i think they're very generalized by a lot of psychotherapists and not all of course um but i also think there's a hell of a lot of stuff which is still so important Mm. perhaps the language is slightly different 
So um, uh, there's more modernizing of, of some of the vocabulary that we use. So kind of what you're talking about there and that young example is, is thought suppression we would probably use now. So suppressing your thoughts and any of the research you look at, the more you suppress your thoughts, the stronger they get. Um, and so it's it's about perhaps it's it's about evolving, I suppose, and medicine's evolving and therefore psychology is evolving. So um, it goes with I think. I think there's a lot of positive changes that are being made, but most psychology is interlinked. That's why there's so many um, of us that, that kind of use um, a range of modalities. Mm. So is, sorry if, is there any uh, methods you have like therapy can be expensive and you know for some people it might not be uh, as accessible but is there anything that like say someone at home that is they, they know they're suppressing their thoughts and they know they can't do it but mm-hmm. like always have that natural inclination when something come, bad comes up it's like no you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to think about that I'm, I'm busy I've other stuff to think about and it goes down and it goes deeper but is there anything that like someone can work on at home or uh, practices they can use to sort of help not to do that you know to be more engaged with their emotions and how to deal with them yeah that's a really good question I think I would start off with um mindfulness um and um I prefix this with saying sometimes when we're highly anxious mindfulness may not be useful because our thoughts may be too dark and 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 dangerous and therefore we may need that extra help you know from gp from medication etc as well so um what i would say is mindfulness is really good because what you're talking about is is restructuring um the brain the neurotransmitter uh, uh, the neurosynapsis but also uh the brain is malleable so it, you can change the kind of arch- architecture of it and um, so something like headspace is brilliant and um, Budify is another app or cam and um, if it's psychosexual what i would be suggesting is there's loads of apps now that have been developed which are brilliant so there's one called furley um, and i can send you guys through the link for that if that helps you know i don't know in in terms of resources for people yeah, yeah. there's furley which is is particularly for women kind of vulva owners um in mindful masturbation like i've done one on attachment styles in there as well so it's about it's it's a yet again it's a bit more holistic than just um, sexual functioning i suppose um, and then there's um, there's Mojo Men, which is uh, for premature ejaculation and erectile dysfunction. Um, and then there is also one, a new one called uh, Blue. Oh, God, sorry. They just contacted me the other day, actually, and I've totally forgotten their name, but they're for couples as well. So I can send you through those. But there are a few different apps that are really helpful um, and there's loads of books as well that are brilliant um, uh, to get a better understanding of yourself so yeah but therapy is expensive it is expensive um, and there are loads of low-cost therapists too so get find people on like I offer some sliding scales I'm fully booked on them at the moment but you know that's also an option too. Mm. I'd add to your resources if you were mm. in psychosexual therapy in the in your own website. Uh, not that I have any other <laughs> resources. Yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> I was taking well, uh, your graphics on um, on Instagram are always striking, but you know your blog gives you the room to explore thoughts in more detail, and they are very. I, I actually really liked your one on um, such as. An interesting one. What we see in our external world reflects how we see our external. Or <laughs> there must be a Freudian slip there. <laughs> what we see in our uh, reflects how we see our internal world. Mm. Um, and so uh, that would connect it to epistemology. So uh, epistem. No, you said it right. I was just. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I just wonder, like, what does insta as a therapist? Like, it could be you mm. could just take the back seat and just take your clients and keep that a very blank professional page but yet you feel the need I think to make psychotherapy modern relevant and to bring it uh, true with an Instagram page and a blog what um is that your motive do you think what why um what do you like about bringing a blog into the uh, and making this resource available 
Yeah, I think I I, I kind of have a love hate relationship with with Instagram to be honest, and and maybe you guys can relate. Yep. Um, sometimes I'm just like, oh yeah, brilliant, can't wait to post this up, and then other times I just think, what what am I doing here? Um, and just that very I think normal, understandable comparison game, you know, imposter syndrome. Um, do I have anything to contribute to, and what? I'm sure I can swear on this, Ryan. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> what the fuck are these algorithms? <laughs> um, uh, but um, to me, um, there's a few things. Um, it's it's firstly because uh, therapy in itself, as a therapist, it's a lonely world a lot of the time when you're when you're um, private practice, and it's given me a huge resource to build and connect with other therapists, but also for my own learning, because people, particularly when we talk about sex education, people are posting things all the time that are inspiring me and and helping me um, talk to clients or perhaps think in a different way. And that's really important that I challenge my narratives and viewpoints and um, scripts that I have. And the next part would be education, that there's particularly yet again in this country and um, there just isn't enough sex um, adult uh, healthy good quality sex education out there not that I'm contributing to all of those boxes but you know it's trying to get that that um uh, narrative uh, I keep using the word narrative today I don't know why it's in my head but um uh, <laughs> to, to to kind of debunk some myths and like challenge some of the shame that's out there challenge some some of the stigma and misinformation but most importantly for me, and this is, I think, a big part of why I got into therapy in the first place, almost, is I just cannot deal with the thought of people feeling alone. Mm. And if I can contribute in some way for someone to feel a little bit more normal and a little bit more OK, then my job is done. You know, like I just and it doesn't matter where in the world they are or you know what age they are if I can just help someone feel a little bit more you know at peace with themselves and less alone that's that's that my Instagram post is is the best of all of all Instagram posts (laughs) I'm sure it's needed as well like because of the lockdowns and stuff like that it's going to be hard for people to to get back out there I suppose and to go on dates and meet people again and mm-hmm. sort of even to be vulnerable with them when they meet them as well, do you know? So it's important to have these topics, I think. That was connected to your 21st of June posture. It was, that's a very similar vein of form, isn't it? Say that again? You, you know, you're, you put up yeah. a post about the 21st of June. And- oh, the 21st of June. Yeah, I was like, what's on the 21st of June? <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Because of course it was, you know, it was even moved by um, the lovely Boris. But, oh, um, yeah. Yeah, so that that's why I was thinking. But yes, absolutely, it's that sense of um, you know, you're uh, be ready when you're ready, um, and that not measuring yourself by anybody else's stick. Mm. That's beautiful. Uh, that that passion that you have for therapy, and um, you you mentioned before in a post, I think that you were fourteen when you got your first book about therapy. I think, and um, like, it, was it always sort of a passion then, like uh, when you were younger, to to kind of show people that you know to help people to see the wood from the trees yeah yeah good um good expression um yeah so um when I was younger I think I just wanted to work in mental health I had no idea really about therapy um and um I my first book is is uh, by Eric, a guy called Eric Byrne, who was like a student or a follow up of, of Freud's, um, and uh, kind of took took it for to a new level with um, a transactional analysis. And I don't like now I'm struggling to read some of Eric Byrne's stuff, so I don't know how I quite managed. That book is falling apart, um, and I just always wanted to help people, you know, in the most basic way I could find and uh, and whatever way that kind of looked for me growing up. And then it just evolved, you know, like I just started doing different jobs and uh, adding to different areas that I was interested in. And that has been, I suppose, my my bit of my journey. I had no idea that I'd end up not literally here. I'm very glad I'm literally here, but I had no idea. And um, that I end up being in private practice as a therapist. Hmm. Um, just, I suppose we better 
talk a bit more about sex like, and, and its role and yes. what happens with, <laughs> with sexuals with psychosexual therapy like is it is it refreshing to rekindle connections to deepen intimacy is that where is that the role of psychosexual therapy yeah uh, good um good question is the role of psychosexual therapy yes I would say so I would say so but not isolated to couples you know that actually that reconnection can be with yourself I mean um, and I was only talking about this earlier the importance of um getting to know yourself so that you can articulate what you need to another person and whether that's sex or not it doesn't matter but being more clear and more concise and with a a more depth of understanding then we can be able to form better relationships with others and yeah yeah, intimacy vulnerability are key and authenticity sorry Sorry? and authenticity I think I throw in oh okay yeah um attachment um comes up a bit i'd say as well being that it, it's just when you mentioned there um expressing our needs and how sometimes attachment can cause um a rupture in that you know you're not expressing your needs properly i was actually only listening to a podcast today from uh, it was with michaela peterson and um john smith lane smith or something um uh, Andrew Lane's but oh well anyway he's focused on uh, he's a psychotherapist in um in England or no America and uh, he's he's focused solely on attachment and how um you know drawn on that and it was a very interesting podcast but does that does mm. that resonate with you like how does attachment come up or does it yeah it does come up and um, so um uh, attachment style uh, by John Baldy um was uh, is a vital tool in psychosexual relationship therapy i mean it's it's ten, tends to be used in general psychotherapy anyway um and um i use it very often like you said that rupture and that rupture originates at the younger years um from between the the child and the caregiver and it plays out then in adult relationships so a lot of our distress as a child unless healed for want of a better term and plays out in our adult relationships um and so you've got the different attachment styles um four different attachment styles and uh what i try to do is get people to understand what theirs is how it plays out what it looks like how do you know when it's being activated or triggered um and and then find a way of to gauge into more effective communication, articulating what you need. And that's really helpful, but bringing the sex part in because that's my- Go for it, Eva, yeah. (laughs) Is that it it plays out in, in the bedroom too. And so you've got, you know, couples who perhaps distance themselves and you've got people who are like, uh, you know, the so the avoidance attachment style would maybe distance themselves or the action the anxious one may pursue. So um, what ends up happening is um, is there's a fallout in communication and and some there's a what ends up happening is desire discrepancy um, a lot of the time. So we've got people who have a lower and a higher libido. And then I see a couple in front of me saying, I'm not happy with our sex life. Mm. Can that be reconciled? Absolutely. Yeah. Do you reckon it's a hormonal thing or a communication thing again? Um, tends to be communication, tends to be um, uh, pent up resentment, um, anxiety is huge. That's one of the big things um, because there's then that sense of I'm going to be rejected by this person. And so the fear of initiating sex and then that other person thinking, oh, they're going to initiate sex. Like I better get into my, you know, full length pajamas ASAP so that they, you know, don't find me sexy and fall asleep very quickly. And so it comes from a place of anxiety. So sometimes it's about just getting accustomed to the discomfort of the anxiety and working through it. So I use, um, a, there was a Masters and Johnsons who were the kind of sexual health pioneers um, back in the 1960s have this thing called sensei focus. 
And so the whole idea is, although it's very dated and I write my own because it's the 1960s and women aren't in the kitchen all the time, um, is I write my own and it's, uh, as uh, I think a few therapists do, um, taking away, pen- say it's a straight couple, taking away like intercourse until eight weeks time, nine weeks time and working through it by physical touch, massages, connection, some kind of more fun games um, and just reconnecting with each other so that anxiety just decreases. Um, and yeah, so then hopefully towards the end, you're feeling a lot more connected with each other. Hmm. It's interesting. All right. I was reading on your uh, one of your blog posts about the the five minute eye contact thing. Yeah, that seems challenging. <laughs> like I read that. I, went, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I think you even gave a bit of a louse. You said three to five minutes. <laughs> three to five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that is in there. That's in my sensei focus. And oh. um, I there's a few things that I I know. So one of the other things that's in there. Um, which I don't think I've done a blog post on, but you inspired me, Mark, um, <laughs> is um, drawing each other's genitals. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, painting. <laughs> I don't know. Are you blushing? I can't see through No, I'm no, just looking at Mark's other artwork here. Just wondering what I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> That's fascinating. Right. But like, where did yeah, that come lots from? Of, lots of young men draw their own genitals on their school books. <laughs> I've got a few school books I could probably yeah. dig out. Um, yeah, no, the the um, the um, eye contact, the eye gazing is uh, soul gazing is actually from Tantra. Um, but it's just about trying to find something a little bit different. I always say to people, put on a song or two um, because otherwise it's just silence and you get the giggles or, you know, it gets awkward. Um, but it is it is a really difficult task. And then. The genital ones, I think, I don't really know where I came up from it with it unless it's, I, I've been doing it for so long, I don't know. But it's just about having a bit of fun, but also then going, oh, well, I like it when you touch here. I don't like this. I like this. I don't like this. Could you do more of? And and hopefully being able to have a little bit of a conversation about enjoyment, pleasure. Yeah, it lightens the mood, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Fashion, yeah. Yeah, but fun is so important because when we're having fun, we don't tend to be anxious. When we're ha- laughing, we forget for a moment, right, yeah. um, about what's going on for us. So that's what I kind of try and get people to get into as well. Yeah, it, it lets their guard down so they don't feel like they're being accused of being incompetent or they're being accused of just being greedy or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Jenny, that was a yeah beautiful few moments there <laughs> you know and even just the thought of that or those um examples instantly mm-hmm. you know I feel a bit lighter anyway it kind of takes yeah. away um takes away the connotations a bit around sex and I suppose you've mentioned before how there's a silence around sex so like mm-hmm. what where do you think we are obviously you mentioned in the broader terms of things as a society you know that um you know there's more untangling to be done at a, at a political level but like what um on a personal level what do you mm. where do you think we can bring this to is it is it on is it simple things by looking at your instagram post or what where do you think this conversation needs to go mm. um i i think it needs to i think we as a country perhaps need to um open yeah, no one say open our minds because that's just that's just too general and I can't expect that of people. But open the radio stations, open the TV, open the podcasts. And there's a really good um, podcast, Pause Vibes. I don't know if you've heard of it, talking about HIV experiences. Um, and there's also a new um, transgender. I can't remember what it's called, which is terrible, but it's brand new. Um, and it's about, um, I suppose, and then there's obviously as, as well, um, uh, um, Caroline West, who does Glow West um, too. And um, and then there's Sarah Sproul, who talks about childhood um, sex education. And so it's about listening to people, I think. It's about having more um, honest conversations with ourselves and with each other. It's a really a big part is the sex education because our sex ed, um, is is minimal to none and it's very uh, anatomical and we need to, we we talk about um 
you know, uh, actually, I actually don't really know exactly if they talk about erectile dysfunction, but then we talk about erections, right, in like biology in school, and we talk about the importance of male sexual functioning, and yet women are negated, like the clitoris isn't mentioned, or like female pleasure isn't mentioned, or female orgasms aren't mentioned, and um, consent isn't spoken about, it's no means no. Consent is somewhere complex than no means no. Um, healthy relationships, I think that's key. I think a lot of people um, could be out of unhealthy and toxic relationships or not get into them if they had the education at school around what a healthy relationship looks like. So I, th I think it needs to start young and I think it uh, in schools, but also I think it needs a, in our age group, we need to start listening to people who perhaps fit outside the norms that um, yesterday's Instagram post, um, the, the norms of what, you know, fits into society, I suppose, uh, in terms of those, uh, those kind of conversations and, and yeah, stretch and grow ourselves. Um, that would be probably a lot to ask. But... Yeah. Do you think it will ever come into the school system? Because as you said, it's purely anatomical what we learn. And it's just baseline anatomy of it as well. Like we're not taught about empathy and compassion and how to deal with relationships and things like this. And then you end up in all kinds, you basically figure it out for yourself. Yeah. Learn as you yeah. go. Whereas you can avoid yeah. certain situations and certain hardships if you're actually taught, you're given the correct information, but you have to find out for yourself like now. So Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And even on that point of finding people, young people finding out for themselves, porn. Mm. That's what young people, you know, are going to start turning to more as 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 the digital age grows. And I have no issues with porn. I have an issue with it being used as sex education. Yeah. Um, it's unrealistic body standards. It's um, you know, it's it's a show. It's a movie. It's there's a production crew there. Circus sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and so it's about being able to, you know, explain to kids that actually, you know there's noises, lube is needed, you may lose an erection. Actually, sex may be painful. If sex is painful, stop, you know, have a conversation about it. Those things are just so important and happen all the time, but aren't on like in any form of really sex education unless you're an adult and you're listening to some good podcasts or yeah. reading some good Instagram posts. Yeah, it was all of a lot of self-flagellation anyway and a lot of, you know, self-criticism and arguments and relationships and blaming other people for you know things that are natural and happen anyway you know yeah I think yeah. it's an important thing to look at maybe for the future yeah and and I think I hear that a lot I hear that a lot of them um, uh things like um oh he didn't get an erection he doesn't fancy me um oh we didn't have penetration so therefore we didn't have sex um you know that's just an example you know where sex is whatever you want it to be kind of find it to be um so it's about kind of breaking down some of those things that, that actually are are really not conducive to a healthy relationship and um healthy sense of self too yeah mm. I, I think podcasts like this are good as well. And we we're just saying before, like it's strange that a sex therapist would even want to come on to our podcast because, you know, it's such a wide variety of uh, people that come on and topics and listeners. And then there's people, you know, that never would have really exposed themselves to this topic that would be listening mm -hmm. anyway, because, you know, they listen to our podcast. And I think maybe they learn a couple of things that could help them in their own personal lives. So I think the the yeah. wider we can spread this message is, is uh, any way we can is good. Like. Yeah. And I, I like when when you said about coming on um, most of my conversations are with other you know sexual experts whatever we want to define that as being and um that's all well and good but those are sex education podcasts yeah. and so uh, you know what you're going into when when you're signing up to you know subscribing to it or or whatever it may be and the the thing is we need to normalize conversations around sex. And part of that is talking about it alongside tarot card readings. You know? yeah, like, yeah. Because <laughs> speaking of <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's exact the thing is it's it's about like as I say, it's like making a cup of tea because then people are less likely to feel alone. 
And then people are less likely to feel ashamed. And that's not okay. Nobody should be feeling that way when things are, you know, accessible um, and out, like, out out there in the open rather than this hidden away, even if it is hidden away in these, you know, podcasts. At least someone may stumble on something I've said or you guys have said that goes, ah, that's really relatable. Actually, I didn't know I was, you know, struggling with intrusive thoughts and that they're okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking back at another question I had was about navigating moments of self-betrayal. That was one of your Instagram posts. And uh, I just thought it was interesting then, um, you know, because it's grand. We hear like, yeah, like the, the, you gave a few examples of phrases that we use that could be self-betrayal. Like it's grand. Oh no, it's fine. Don't worry about that. Mm. You know, and um as a result of that, I was wondering, like, is creating the environment for discussion around this an important quality as well to mm. show people that, you know, it's really it's about time you let go of that or, you know, you you can actually stand up for yourself there. And mm. this is something we all navigate. Like, I, I'm certainly one for it anyway. So mm. where does that figure in terms of psychosexual therapy and therapy as a whole? Um, I think, um, well, I think one of, you know, it's, this is just in the corner of my eye. So I have this book, Reinvent, I, I can't see myself, so I presume you guys can see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, we have it. Um, Reinventing Your Life, which is a guy called uh, Jeffrey Young, who developed schema therapy, and it's really good, really good book. I highly recommend it. Um, and one of the things in it, it talks about these little life traps that we fall into, right? and um, like obstacles and patterns of behavior that repeat over time. And sometimes it's really difficult to um, drop the blinkers and gain perspective. And although this is general like, well, schema therapy, um, it, there's parts in those patterns of behavior for example, self-sacrificing or subjugating is, is kind of negating your own needs and placing somebody else is more important. Um, and that doesn't just happen outside of the bedroom. It happens in the bedroom too. Um, and I think it's about recognizing when there are certain patterns of behavior that make you feel really bad afterwards, that leave you feel really low, flat, um feelings of discomfort whatever it may be angry sad etc um and being able to find out why these happen making those little changes to allow yourself to have those conversations and encouraging yourself to have those conversations and so recognizing those um those self-betrayals of letting yourself down tends to be left with a feeling it tends to be a residue and once you understand that residue, it's kind of going, okay, well, what had I done? How did I let myself down? What could I do differently? Is that I don't know if that helps answer your your question. Yeah, no, no, I understand. Yeah. And it kind of that residue could be connected then to trauma because it's kind of similar Absolutely. to how you described um or not how, how you described is similar to how uh, Gabor Mate describes, you know, mm. when you the break in um the refusal of the child for a need or a, or a want then that's buried down and you know that those layers and yeah I think it's similar there mm, yeah absolutely and um I mean he's fantastic and and talking about trauma and how that is is sticks with us as he says it lives in the body it's not doesn't live in the memory it doesn't live in the head it lives in stored in the body and so that's when that residue that feeling is left mm. That's a good indicator. That's a good signal. Mm. Ding, ding, ding. That that's a signal around shame. That's a signal around guilt. I don't know. Mm, yeah, that's great. The way to break the pattern is sort of just to tell the truth, isn't it? That mm-hmm. takes a certain level of bravery to yourself first. I suppose you have to tell the truth to yourself of why you're feeling like that, and then you have to be brave enough to tell your partner as well. Uh, and that's kind of the only way to fix it, isn't it? Is to tell the truth. How are you going to solve it if no one knows what the fucking problem is? You know? Yeah yeah absolutely and and um that makes me think of Brene Brown talking about vulnerability um and courage and how they're this interlinked and they're one and the same to be vulnerable is to have courage and 
it, but it's really difficult and it takes a lot of compassion which she also talks about in terms of like the antidote to shame and so it, it's it's kind of back to what you kind of spoke about earlier around knowing yourself and once you know yourself you can start articulating how you feel and that doesn't happen overnight it does take time patience and compassion yeah yeah and what you're saying like courage is a good word for it as well isn't it because like for something to be courageous there has to be an element of risk attached to it as well you know there has to be vulnerability on on the other side on the one side of courage has to be vulnerability you are taking the risk like with saying something that's true because yeah. it, they can be shot back at you and it can hurt so you have oh, to just yeah. trust fate that if you tell the truth it's for the best like yeah yeah and that's why I used the word authenticity earlier because it's about living a truthful life and that truthful life being authentic to yourself but in order to grow and stretch ourselves we have got to be vulnerable and vulnerability is scary it's daunting but like you said it it, if we don't we're just immobilized and we keep in in the same state keep in the same patterns and um toxic relationships are maintained you know or yeah. whether that's with yourself or with others yeah you have to pick your poison yeah you take the risk yeah. of staying the hell you're in i suppose yeah 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 and we've all done that in our lives I'm sure you guys have done it not yet again in relationships or like you know staying in a job or or staying in a, on a college course or something that that isn't isn't you know the way you want to live your life and um, and that's includes relationships too yeah and relationships include sex so just back in the sex note yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're not having a healthy sex life um, well, I I thought we we kind of ended there on a, on a bit of a dimmer note. So let's hope the flash yeah. flood can can rise us up. I don't know if he can or not. Have you heard flash flood, Eva? Oh, what's flash flood? We, you could have eight uh, sessions there with flash flood. Um, <laughs> he's a, he's a friend of ours who sort of contributes uh, something to the podcast every week. A little voice note. Yeah, oh, we don't. I didn't hear that before. <laughs> you find it affectionate. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the first. Oh, I'm, I'm excited. It's just a bit of wisdom. Well, let's probably. see what it is because we don't listen to it. <laughs> right. Lads, I tell you something. If I hear the words "football's coming home" in England one more time, I'm going to get a dose of the vomits. <laughs> it absolutely sicken you to carry on. Like Jesus Christ, a massive football and country, and haven't won anything since 1966. They ought to be ashamed of themselves. Absolutely ashamed of themselves. The players they've had and they've produced. Like, do me a favor. Just carry on to beat Germany in a game. Not even, like, you know, late stages. Like, last 16. Not even a quarter final. They're doing a lap of the pitch. Come on. Like, who do these guys think they are? <laughs> We've got so off topic. <laughs> well, not that. Well, yeah. Shane was, was there. That. We had Shane. Yeah, uh, shame was there. Um, anxiety was there. Maybe ah. anger as well. Um, but it's funny because I had in our one of my friends WhatsApp groups from from London, and, and it's the partners as well. And one of the guys was at the match. Oh, oh, oh! You're frozen. Yesterday. Oh, now you're back. Oh, I froze. Yeah, you're back. That's all right. Sorry, back. Um. One of the guys was at the match yesterday, and and after they won, sent videos of them singing "Footballs Coming Home," and I was like, "Really? <laughs> <laughs> you in one match?" <laughs> so you're with Flash there. You're with Flash. I'm, I'm totally. You can tell them. I'll, I'll be listening to the end. I must have been missing the end of the podcast or something. Yeah, he's yeah. always at the end. We always yeah. put him as a footnote there. <laughs> oh, I love, yeah, tell but I suppose right. just to like we were talking about picking up poison and all, and I. <laughs> again i'm always dipping in and out and stuff and at the moment my uh, screen server is follow your bliss and the universe will open doors for you where there were only walls joseph campbell and so i'd like to kind of throw that in there as well to try and you know while there's poison there you can you can find a bliss too absolutely mm. yeah 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 there's always poison somewhere there is about <laughs> two bottles of it in my fridge yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's um yeah but i suppose it's the balance of 
good and evil, isn't it? I mean, Young was big on that, and sure, a lot yeah. of writers were. What was it? Um, your man who wrote Gulag Archipelago, your man, uh, that's a, there's a thin line that runs down the the middle of each heart and between good and evil. So yeah, I'm yeah. surprised that we lead there. Well, I think a, a token on, on Young there is the shadow self um, yeah. it, and that we do carry a darker part of ourselves and that's riddled with shame. And that's a part he says we need to talk about and open up to mm. um, and acknowledge. So and that's a way of finding your bliss. Yes. Become content with the whole part of yourself. Yes. Not excluding the shadow. Mm. For, it, for <laughs> I think we've probably... Uh, talked more about psychotherapy than psychosexual therapy so maybe we still have work to do well I do anyway I have uh, let you take the reins with that sex Aoife and work away with it you (laughs) but I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation Maggie any other questions no I have too I just want to thank you very much Aoife for your time it was great and I think I hopefully this podcast will help some people who might need it yeah good good one more thing that we do at the end of a podcast Aoife is we get a book where's the book oh Uh, where we have And we read from a random page from Liam Dunn. He was a Wexford hurler. Um, ah. Yeah, so um, this man has, uh, it was wrote a very honest autobiography and we pick a page from it. So you can pick a page from 286 uh, and between two, one and 286. Okay, so I'm going to go with 192. Okay. Oh, well, well, the, when we trotted out onto Wexford Park for the first league game, you could almost hear the disbelief that greeted us because most of the team were like Oompa Loompas. <laughs> <laughs> Jerkush had gone absolutely huge after a winter of enjoying life as an all Ireland champion. <laughs> yeah. But he wasn't the only one doing the impressions of Mr. Blobby. Ka- Gary Laffin and Tom Dempsey certainly bore no resemblance to Kate Moss. And I was a good stone over it myself. <laughs> what a body shame there as well, Aoife. I think you yeah. need to come down to Wexford and have a good chat with us. That is that is absolutely fine. I know Feathered on Sea very well. It's a big family, family place for us historically. Oh, um, absolutely. But um, no, thank you guys for having me on. I mean, I really, really appreciate it and having this the chats. And it's, I said to when you sent me a message originally I'd sent um uh your podcast to my other half and I said you know what do you think should I go on and he was like they're brilliant and then I said it to him yesterday <laughs> you guys we'd organize a time finally and he's like yes <laughs> so he was going to be delighted too and I really enjoyed it um so thank you for um you know thank you for asking me on and I I am um, yeah I'm really happy to be here I was really happy to be here also thanks, thanks so much Aoife. Aoife. All right, guys. Cheers. See you later. Bye-bye.